0: All right. I believe we are live. Ian Webster complained that the audio for these videos was really bad. So we got a microphone if they're wondering why there's a microphone here. So thank you, Ian, uh, for that suggestion. Uh, today was quite a day because the uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, Nancy Pelosi, and others tried to push through some unbelievably radical legislation through Congress today. And the Senate voted on what is called the Women's Health Protection Act. Now. I think you already know what's going on here. It's quite obvious, but we need to be so aware and not be gullible and naive people because what here's what I'm finding, and I've, I've this is something that's a thought that was sparked from someone else, but as I've thought about these things, God has given us all a conscience. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 32 says that we know that those who do such things deserve to die, but we not only do them, but give approval to those who do them. And Romans 2 speaks about those who uh, live apart from God's law and also will perish and be judged apart from God's law because they have his law written in their conscience, that that kind of an idea. And what you'll find is that people know when they are violating God's law. They, they know that. You can suppress the truth in unrighteousness, as Romans 1 says, You can you can sear your conscience as with a hot iron, as Paul speaks of. Uh, that is absolutely true, but you cannot obliterate your conscience. You cannot absolutely remove it. Uh, y- you know when you're doing something that's really evil and really bad. And I-, I think that this is clearly one of those examples where we know that the unborn are human beings. We know that to kill them, whether it is through, well, y- you know the different ways in which children are aborted in the womb. I-, I won't go through that now. We will go through that in the fall in in one of our Sunday school series. But um, we'll we'll simply say. That it's horrific. It's absolutely horrifying what happens to the unborn in the womb. And we know. We know that we're killing human beings. We know that we're killing children. That's why Bill Clinton said we need to make abortion safe, legal, and rare. We don't say that about getting your tonsils taken out or your wisdom teeth removed. We don't say we're going to make it safe, legal, and rare because it's a pretty regular part of life. Why, would, why rare? because your conscience knows that this is not a good thing and so you try to put the word rare on it to make it sound like you've got a compassionate heart that you care about what is right. Well, similarly, um the first president in the in American history to ever speak to planned parenthood at an annual gathering and to address this giant group, I don't know the number, but I assume it was a large group of people from Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood, the only president, uh, at least sitting president to have ever done that at the time was Barack Obama. This is around, I think the year 2012-ish, somewhere in there. I don't remember the exact year, but if you listen to the speech, it's maybe 12 minutes long. Uh, He he goes on and on about all the good things that Planned Parenthood is doing. Now, as as you know, Planned Parenthood is founded by Margaret Singer, who was highly involved in the eugenics movement, wanting to sterilize the mentally unwell so that they could not have children. She was clearly racist when she spoke about uh, African-Americans in a, in a horrific and horrifying way. You can just look it up on Google. She said that sometimes the most merciful thing a family can do is for its, for its new uh, unborn child or whatever is to kill it. She wanted to make abortion uh, cheap and accessible in lower income areas and particularly amongst minorities. And so Planned Parenthood was founded in a kind of um, not only was there a horrific kind of partiality. Uh, against partiality uh, for majority, but against minorities, but also against lower income people. And that's where Planned Parenthood comes from. But Barack Obama says at Planned Parenthood, God bless you, Planned Parenthood. That's how he ends his speech. God bless you, Planned Parenthood, which is a true blasphemy. And uh, to put God's name over the killing of the unborn is a true blasphemy. that, that is a That is a horrifying thing. And and we've got to learn to tear the mask off here on what what looks so smooth and attractive on the outside and what's really going on underneath the surface in in these in these regards. So um, in that speech, and it's been a while since I listened to it, but he never uses the word abortion. Not one time. This is a this is about like contacting Netflix and failing to mention that they stream video content uh, this this is like uh, you know this is like talking to Coca-Cola and failing to mention soda, you know talking to Planned Parenthood and not mentioning abortion by name is a staggeringly weird thing to do. So I, I w- President Obama, why did you avoid the word for what Planned Parenthood does more than anyone else? It's the thing that they're known for. It's the thing that they do. What you, you mentioned about a woman getting, you know, maybe it was like a, you know, a, a, a mammogram or a, a woman getting help with treatment in this and that way. But you never once mentioned the word abortion, and you you end by saying, "God bless you, Planned Parenthood." Why why avoid the word abortion? He doesn't. He doesn't avoid mentioning all the other so-called wonderful things that they do. He's happy to name the ways in which they've helped women, and I, I'm sure that some of those things, maybe all the things he said, may be true. That may be. That may be true. That there are things that that have happened there that have helped women in certain ways. But that's like saying, you know, uh, I'm sure that there were things that happened at the in the in Auschwitz that helped certain Jewish people at certain times. But let's not ignore the fact that there's some mass killing going on there as well. So the fact that the word abortion was avoided throughout the whole speech tells you. That word is so loaded that it just doesn't fit. Uh, We know that it's a horrible thing. And so instead, we start talking about caring for women, caring for women's health, caring for a woman's choice, caring for a woman's right to choose, caring for a woman to do what she wants with her body. We use all these euphemisms. That all sounds so positive. We talk about women's health and women's justice and this new act, women the Women's Health Protection Act, because we want to clothe what is ugly morally with positive and beautiful moral language. And so... Be on the alert when you read any kind of news headline, because just know that the that that news media is going to be biased. Uh, news media is going to be pushing agendas back and forth. We need to be very aware when we read headlines, when we read brief clips and ex- excerpts from particular things that public figures have said. Man, we need to be on the lookout. We know that there's media bias. We need to try to get beyond that so that we can really see what's going on. So Chuck Schumer is trying to push through new legislation today in Congress. It was voted on by the Senate. And uh, it was called the Women's Health Protection Act. Th- that is a, an astonishing thing to call that piece of legislation. That piece of legislation was an unbelievably radical thing. This was the, this was the um, reflexive response to the possibility of Roe being overturned this summer by the Supreme Court. And so Chuck Schumer is, is trying to sort of uh, get a hold of the emotional momentum of the moment on the pro-choice side, on the pro-abortion side, and try to use it to his advantage, uh, probably also obviously thinking that this will help in the midterm elections. And so uh, Chuck Schumer put before uh, the Senate today uh, radical legislation. This legislation would make abortion legal, not based on Roe. If Roe were overturned, this would still be in effect. This new legislation, the Women's Health Protection Act, would make abortion legal, From conception until the end of the third trimester, until the end of pregnancy, until the 40 week mark, all the way up until birth itself. Pregnancy uh, at any point could be terminated through an abortion legally in any state for virtually any reason. Uh, Whenever you see abortion conversations where the woman's life or health is in danger, just remember the word health can die the death of a thousand qualifications because. Well, health can be physical health. It could also be mental health. Well, what woman or man has ever had a baby and not had uh, some mental stress as a result of having a newborn child crying at two in the morning and three in the morning and four in the morning and five in the morning or throwing up or sick or whatever? The the, the argument that there could be uh, mental stress or emotional stress that would come as a result of having a child, any woman could make that argument and therefore get approval for abortion. So. The idea here is 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 quite astonishing stuff. It is put to a vote today. It was put to a vote in the Senate today. And here's the staggering thing. We had. So out of. uh, We had forty nine. Democrat senators vote in favor of this legislation. Only one senator. Let me see if I can find the name here. Joe Manchin. He's the senator um, who is a Democrat who voted no. Other than Joe Manchin, every single Democrat voted in favor of this radical pro-abortion legislation. On the Republican side, 50 Republicans, all of them, 100 percent of the Republicans voted against the Women's uh, Health Protection Act. Now, let me speak directly politically for a moment here. There was a move, as you know, a number of decades ago, called the Moral Majority, in which case you had a lot of famous Christians uh, arguing for a kind of uh, right-wing conservative politics, and uh, it's been easy to make fun of that. And certainly, there were ways in which the 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 uh, the uh, the uh, moral majority did not handle things the way that they they could have or should have. That that certainly that certainly is true. It's it's been easy to make fun of that, and people don't want to be identified with it. We don't want to be known as the fundamentalists and whatnot. There's there's also a fear of Christianity becoming overly partisan, in other words, identifying with one particular party, and there are dangers with that, obviously, because to to attach Christianity to a particular uh, party, whether it be the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, is extraordinarily unwise because you end up basically saying that whatever anyone from that party believes or votes for or pushes for or says or does is therefore supported by the Bible or is exactly in line with the, with the teaching of Jesus. And that's clearly never going to be true of any party short of Christ returning himself. Okay. So we, 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 know that, but so because of that, people have tried to stay sort of in the middle. And this is something that's been called third way ism, uh, just to just to say you know tim keller is the one who really made this famous uh, he, he's typically known for saying well you've heard of option a over here and you've heard of option b over here but i'm gonna i'm gonna give an option in the middle that's neither a nor b it's kind of this third way uh, this this uh this other way of doing things and um third wayism worked politically by di- trying to get christians to distance themselves from both the right and the left politically and to try to say we're, we're something different altogether we're the third way and um I understand I think why that was happening, but here's the problem with third wayism. When you do third wayism, what you end up basically saying is you end up basically saying both sides are equally right and equally wrong. Even if you don't say it that way, that's the way it ends up coming across. Both sides have certain significant flaws and certain significant virtues, and so uh, w- w- that that keeps Christians from overly identifying with one side or the other. and uh, i I I uh, I, I see that's kind of the way that argument works. The problem is what you're dealing with right here, right now. I'm going to be very direct, and I'm going to say something that, that is very politically charged, but it just seems unavoidable based on not just today, but certainly today, and then uh, certainly history over the past uh, number of years now. Uh, we We have in our government a political party and every single senator from that party, except for one. Again, that's uh, Joe Manchin. Other than Joe Manchin, every single senator from this particular party voted today for the most radical, pro-choice, pro-abortion piece of legislation that I have ever heard having this kind of chance on the Senate floor. That happened today. In other words, if I can be very blunt, There is one party minus Joe Manchin. There is one party where 49 of the 50 of their senators voted for killing babies in the womb from conception till birth at any time in pregnancy. It in any place within the United States, within any state within the United States, the other party. And I'm not saying that this other party is therefore Christian. So don't misunderstand. But the other party, which is the Republican Party, all 50 senators voted against this piece of legislation. Now, with the with the more typical Tim Keller third-wayism here, he would maybe step in, and, as I've often heard, and say, well, you know, there's this benefit and there's this benefit and there's this disadvantage, blah, 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 and we're kind of in the middle. The fact is there's not really a third way on this one, is there? I'm not saying Republicans are all Christians. I'm not saying the Republican Party is God's party. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is a party that almost unanimously today on the Senate floor voted for the mass murder of children in the womb from conception until birth. Almost every single one of them, 49 out of 50, voted in favor of killing babies. The other party voted against killing babies. To try to morally equivocate and to try to make, excuse me, to try to make morally equivalent these two groups is moral. I want to be, well, I don't really want to be overly, (laughs) I don't want to be mean-spirited, but that's madness. To, To try to act like those are morally equal positions and that Christians can sort of equally lean back and forth between those two sides on this kind of an issue does not make sense to me. And another issue is treating abortion like it's just one of a uh, one of a plethora of issues that we should care about politically. Now, certainly, it is true that we should not only care about abortion, and I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you can find a Christian who says we should only care about abortion. We should care about nothing else in, po- in politics. That that does not make any sense to me. Uh, that's not true. We, we should not only care about abortion. We should care about everything that affects people, and we should use government uh, as a way of 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 uh, of uh, someone who does not bear the sword in vain, but rewards the good and punishes the evil. That's Romans 13. So certainly we should care about all laws. We should care about all legislation, but we should not consider all laws equally important or equally weighty or equally significant or equally morally uh, important. So there is no question in my mind that the issue of abortion is the greatest political evil in our country Second to none, there is no other issue that comes close to the mass and horrific killing of the unborn in the womb since Roe v. Wade in 1973 for almost 50 years. Again, 63 million plus boys and girls have been horrifically killed in the womb. Now, I I will take a moment here to say something about that. One of the most common forms of abortion is what is sort of called the, the vacuum abortion. This happens earlier in the pregnancy. There there was a documentary made in the, I think it was the early nineteen eighties by a doctor who had performed abortions who had since become um, I think Catholic maybe and had become pro-life. And he it's called the silent scream. You can watch it online, but I'm not necessarily recommending it, although I've I've seen it and uh, don't regret having watched it, where um, the background of the video was that a, some pro-choice people said, you know, if people could just see what abortion is through an ultrasound or something like that, they would realize it's no big deal. It's just a clump of cells. There's no there's no human being involved here. So they filmed an abortion. And if I remember correctly, I need to double check my facts. But the person who filmed it was pro-choice when they filmed it. And after seeing the footage, he or she or whatever it was, uh, whoever this person was, ended up changing their mind and became pro-life after filming this. It's called the silent scream. The doctor goes through in detail what happens is a very typical kind of abortion and you're watching it through an ultrasound when the vacuum device comes in it has 10 to 15 times the power of a household vacuum cleaner the way the way it works and it comes into the womb and it begins sucking away uh, the placenta and all the stuff around the the child the child immediately responds knowing that something aggressive is in there and the child begins to recoil and to try to basically try to get away from this thing as it comes toward it and the child begins to put up a fight against this 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 intruder into the womb and as this thing comes closer to the baby the baby at a moment seems to open its mouth and that's why it's called the silent scream. And the child then uh, begins to be. So I'm going to be very graphic here that the child begins to be dismembered. Arms and legs of the child start going down the vacuum tube, which is a long glass tube structure that's connected to this device. And the child continues to fight just a little longer. And then the child goes limp because the child has died. The head of the child is too big to get out with the vacuum device. And so. They have to do a skull crushing technique where the child's head is removed from the womb. That's just a typical abortion. And then you have much more graphic descriptions of abortion that come later in the pregnancy when a more, when, when the child is more developed. You, there is no painkiller that is given to the child because they do not treat the child in any way as a human being. Uh, one uh, abortion doctor who's since become, I also believe, uh, Catholic, I believe, and and uh, he his name is Dr. Anthony Levitino. Uh, he performed many, uh, he performed hundreds of abortions over the course of time at different levels in the pregnancy. And you can l- look him up on YouTube, Dr. Anthony Levitino, Le- look him up on his, uh, his speech before or his talk before Congress on this issue. It, it's, 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 it's frankly horrifying if you haven't seen it, but he he spoke about, uh, reaching in to the birth canal and you do it blindly with this, with this long instrument. That's kind of like, it works like this back and forth and has, has, a has a, uh, teeth on the end that grab and don't let go, and he would reach in and he would find uh, a part of the what he called the fetus, the child, and he would pull until he pulled out a leg of a child. This is while the child is alive, the child is conscious, the child has no painkiller, the child feels unimaginable pain that moment. And then he reaches back in and pulls out an arm and he begins to stack the parts of the baby on the, like the, the little, the little dish or plate next to him. And he stacks them up until he makes sure he's not missing any parts. Cause if any part gets left in the woman, it could cause, uh, it could cause, um, infection and all kinds of issues for the woman later on so he has to make sure he has all the parts of course they don't name the parts arm and leg and whatnot they they name it like part a and part b they name it with these euphemisms because they don't want to actually say what's obviously happening so that they can protect their conscience and continue to suppress the truth and unrighteousness And um, he speaks about how the head is removed, which I already briefly mentioned. But he says, you go in and the thing clamps down on something about the size of a small fist. And he says, if it clamps down on something about that size and your hands are about like this down at the other end of the birth canal, you're doing this blind. You know that you've got the skull. You close your hand. Again, I'm going to be very graphic. Gray matter comes out. He says, he knows, you know that you've gotten the head crushed because gray matter comes out. That is the brain matter from the child. And then the rest of the head is removed. He said, sometimes a deformed, disfigured face would slide out and be looking up at him at the end of the procedure. Well, eventually, through a long story about adoption and the death of his five year old daughter and all these different things, he ended up becoming pro life. He gave up doing abortions. And now, Dr. Anthony Levitino spends a lot of time uh, trying to uh, argue for the pro life cause. And he, he has a very powerful story and a very powerful way to do that. So, get getting back here to the main idea we need to think very very seriously here about what is going on we, we do not want to be guilty of making an uh, an equivalency between the two different uh, parties regarding this issue and this issue is the issue times a lot the, 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 there there is no issue that comes close to this 63 million children killed over the last 53 uh, years what other legislative issue comes close to six holocausts in american history again hitler killed 10 million we've killed 60 plus million we've committed six legal holocausts in our country what issue comes even close to that and you say well you're just being a single issue voter well I I don't like the terminology of single-issue voter. I think that that, it tends to make it sound like you don't think about anything else. But what I'm saying is if we are weighting different issues going on politically, this issue carries the most weight times 63 million unborn children who've been slaughtered. So we need to keep that in mind as we think about uh, uh, Christian involvement in politics and Christian voting and all those different things we, we we don't want to let this issue become just a an issue amongst others. I do think that Christians have grown numb, largely, to what abortion actually is, and that's allowed us to be more susceptible to arguments that other issues are just as important or more important or that kind of thing. Let me also close with this comment here. Uh, Phil Vischer is one of the guys who helped uh, do uh, VeggieTales, for those of you who grew up with VeggieTales, and uh, he is the voice, I think, of Bob the Tomato, Phil Vischer. And he does a whole bunch of voices on VeggieTales. Well, he's become much more outspoken and vocal on moral and political issues in the last few years. And I, I've watched a number of his videos over since 2020 or so. And he tried to argue uh, along the lines of, you know, basically voting for Republican pro-life candidates uh, versus Democrat pro-choice candidates doesn't really make any difference in the pro-life movement. Uh, that, that that doesn't really matter who's in the White House, doesn't really matter who's picked for the Supreme Court. doesn't really matter who's governor or senator or in the House. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the The abortion issue is not going to be really affected by your vote. And then I've heard a whole bunch of people. these would be more leaning a uh, leftward in a lot of ways, even more toward the woke agenda and different things like that, who have tried to make a lot of arguments for saying, voting for Democrats may actually be a way to undermine abortion. Voting for pro-choice candidates may actually be an effective means of undermining uh, abortion itself. And uh, I've seen this from numerous uh, Christian people who have made these arguments. I I just think that the events of the last few weeks have shown those arguments to be, at least at this moment in time, absolutely untrue. Absolutely not true Um, in, in terms of how this is working. So Uh, Let us make sure that we are not deceived by fine-sounding arguments in relationship to the pro-life issue. Uh, Let let us make sure that we are um, voting for people when we vote, and we have to follow our conscience. We should not violate our conscience in voting for someone that that goes against our conscience, but we should be voting for people who are going to be pro-life. You want to vote for people. Whoever you vote for, you're going to be wanting to vote for people who, if they're a senator, if you're voting for a senator, you want to vote for a senator who, today, when that, when when the Women's Health Protection Act comes up, they are voting against that with all their might, not for that. I mean, I just know that there are, there are numerous Christians, and I have no doubt that that numbers of these people are genuine Christians who voted for pro-choice candidates in different ways. And and now they're they're left with the consequences of of those decisions. And we need to think very carefully what is most likely to overturn Roe v. Wade. How is that process most likely to happen? Well, it's going to happen through originalist Supreme Court justices. And how do those get put in place? Well, let's think about how that might work in terms of voting for the president. And I'm not I'm not recommending you vote for this person by name or this not this person by name. I'm just saying we want to find pro-life presidents who will put originalist Supreme Court justices on the bench so that things like Roe can be overturned and not brought back again. And when it comes to voting for senators or for the House, we want to vote for people who are going to vote against abortion, not for the most radical pro-abortion legislation that you can possibly imagine. If, if I as a Christian voted for and helped put into place um, senators from Georgia who are going to and did today vote in favor of the most radical piece of pro-choice, pro-abortion legislation, I just think that would be weighing on my conscience. And we need to think very seriously about these things. And so we need to pray. And I'm going to pray right now uh, for for some of what we've been discussing, and then I'm going to be done. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do ask that the Supreme Court The conservative majority would would hold, and I pray that there would not be cowardice that would allow any of this conservative Supreme Court justices to flip-flop on the issue of what to do with Roe. I do pray that this decision would come through in this summer and that Roe v. Wade would be done with, and that as the issue goes back to the state level, I pray that states would be faithful to the unborn and that we would see a, a massive move forward in the pro-life movement. I pray for churches all over the place, faithful churches all over the country to step up to the plate like more than ever and Churches already have in amazing ways with crisis, supporting crisis pregnancy centers and sending women to volunteer at crisis pregnancy centers who, who love to do it and, and adopting children and fostering children. God, please help churches to step up and help women in need, women in poverty, single mothers, uh, people coming from broken homes, people in the fostering of people who need foster care. God, I pray that Christians would step up to the plate more than ever in these ways to show that we don't just care about life in the womb and then don't care about life once it's born, which is just... Uh, it's not a true criticism in the first place, but help us to show more than ever that that is not the case. God, I pray that Christians would have clear-headed thinking when it comes to political issues. I am not here to tell you who you must vote for. I'm simply saying, let us think carefully before uh, we give our vote to anyone. And let us think how they are going to vote in relationship to the most weighty and easily most morally significant issue of our day, the dismembering of children in the womb. God, let that weigh on us. Let that make us weep when we think about it. Let us look up uh, interviews and videos and pictures that involve these things and let us hear stories and read and get knowledge about what it is and, and if we can handle it, even look at some of the images of what uh, aborted children look like after the procedure is over so that the, that we can be wrecked emotionally by it and that we would not be deceived by fine-sounding rhetoric. God, help us to be to be bold, to be clear, to be loving, and to support true biblical justice, not critical social justice, which is becoming so popular today. So God, please help us to stay humble, help us to stay clear-headed and firm in our convictions, and God, I do pray that, thank you, that today the Women's Health uh, Protection Act, which is a horrifically wicked piece of legislation, did not pass. God, thank you that there was that there was that one a Democrat, a senator who did not vote for it. Lord, thank you for for that. And I do pray, God, that nothing more would happen. I pray Roe would over would be overturned, and that the that the American people, by your common grace, would see the evils of abortion and oppose it. And for your church, especially, to to rise up. And I pray for many to be converted who have had abortions that they would be forgiven of that, that they would come to see the beauty of the cross and the beauty of forgiveness and the beauty of Christ's love, and that they would be one to Christ, and that they would be used to tell their story and help others to fight against this temptation and not to do this themselves. So God, uh, please be at work in a great way and help the church to be the church in this very dark time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for watching.